the Dog on the Pitch podcast. I'm Guy Fagan and today I'm joined by Newcastle United fan and comedian Mike Perrin and he's going to be sharing some of his experiences and escapades following the Magpies and also some of his um, experience of, of his comedy career so far. So welcome Mike to the show. Thanks for having us, Guy. You alright? I'm good. Um, so, how is it going in lockdown? Yeah, hard to be honest. I know everyone struggled, but I found it hard. I mean, just recently, wedding cancelled, yeah. honeymoon cancelled. Yeah. Perhaps worst of all, the stag cancelled. You know how how precious that stag would have been after several lockdowns. Um, it's been hard from a Newcastle fans' point of view too. We've had our hopes raised that we're going to be the richest club in the world. Yeah. Man City, watch out. <laughs> Only to be dashed. Um, that was an absolute roller coaster. Now it's just descended into general pessimism, really. So uh, hard, hard is the answer to that question, I think. Oof. Okay, sounds like you've been having a tough time. So it can only get better, can't it? it well, can that's, only... that's the kind of optimism that we football fans need, isn't it? It can only get better. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, for people who aren't familiar with your comedy um, and your style of comedy um, and what you do as a performer, can you uh, tell the listeners um, all about what, what your comedy style is? Yeah, of course. So, I'm, I'm not particularly long in the tooth. Um, you could argue I'm just getting started, but I like uh, true stories. Um, I'm not a stupid person. I'm borderline smart, actually. Um, borderline genius. Um, but... I've got no common sense and I'm incredibly ridiculously naive. So really it's just true stories with only a touch of embellishment and uh, okay. I, tend to, I tend to get by with that. Just a touch, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a touch, just a touch, all true stories, if I say so, obviously. And uh, in normal times, sort of before the pandemic and, and sort of hopefully after it, what sort of venues do you perform in? What are your favourite uh, places to, and rooms to perform in? Well, we're lucky in Newcastle. We've got a few, and there's a great open mic circuit as well. So if you are getting started, you can definitely get your foot in the door and get practice. But without a doubt, um, the Stand Newcastle is wonderful. I don't know if you've heard of the Stand, but they've got um, venues in Scotland too. Yeah. And real big for pushing local comedy, local talent, giving newbies a try. Uh, they've been magnificent. Without a doubt, the Stand Newcastle's top. Um, but I'd like to give a shout out to Axolotl Laughs as well. Uh, run by Rosie Cole, really runs a, a good show. She's, she keeps it nice as well, so it's a great atmosphere. There's very little kind of, well, punching down just isn't allowed. It's as simple as that. You know, if you think that's the kind of comedy you're going to get away with there, you're not. Great atmosphere, great little spot, great open mic uh, spot there too. So I'd probably say the Stan Newcastle first. The Stan Newcastle, okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah, go check them out when we are back to... Uh, after the road map and um, back out of lockdown okay that's a, a great venue to go and perform in and go watch some live comedy definitely is all right so now let's get down to business so right you are a, a proud um dedicated newcastle united supporter um, official supporter i've got the badge prove it <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can you tell us about your, your earliest memory supporting Newcastle? How so, did you yeah, dead easy. So at the age of eight years old, in 90 minutes, I went from detesting football 
and borderline judging its fans to obsession. Like literally a, a switch was flicked in 90 minutes. My uncle, bless him, he was stood up for a game in October 1992. Yeah. Um, that was... So if Keegan was the, the crest of the wave of Newcastle, this is just... Oh, it's building. Yeah. We've won 10 out of 10 at the start of the season, but I was oblivious to that. Hated football. Someone stood my uncle up and he was my favourite uncle and he said, you fancy coming to the game? I remember where I was and I could very easily have said no and it was only because he was asking that I said yes. So I went from judging football fans... Um, taking the mick out my granddad he used to say oh we'll win because we're at home we'll lose because we're away I was like well what difference does that make the pitch is the same shape the goals are at either end the ball doesn't change what, what, what difference does it make home and away yeah I went from that to sitting on my uncle's shoulders bouncing up and down learning all the songs that I was allowed to learn at 8 years old um, and I got my first hero that day I remember vividly the first goal was a header palmed into the side netting um by Cambridge United's keeper, and it was David Kelly who scored it. Ooh, and he was just absolutely untouchable in my eyes from that moment on. He scored two more. I didn't see any of them because I was all a four foot and it was standing room only. Um, but looking back at the highlights, I see that uh, our regular penalty taker, Gavin Peacock, oh, got yeah. a pen yeah. late on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Kelly took it off him. <laughs> he had balls, David Kelly. Uh, he was a hero to Newcastle fans before, but I wouldn't have known any better. But he scored the most important goal in Newcastle history that kept us up. Okay. Um, next season, marching on to the Premiership. And from then on, under Keegan, it was just spectacular. So my earliest memory of supporting Newcastle was the very moment I became a football fan. And I, I can probably pin it down to a conversation I had with a stranger. Oh, uh, okay. I went to the ground and I used to... I used to like judge everyone's optimism. Why are you optimistic as a football fan? Newcastle were fourth bottom of the league the season before. And I remember getting there and everyone seemed so optimistic. And I was like, oh, you're just setting yourselves up for a fall here, yeah, man. We're going to get people going to lose. We always seem to. My granddad's always miserable. And so their goalkeeper was warming up. Yeah. And he was tipping them over the bar and catching them. And he looked, he looked unbeatable. And this is the first time I'd seen like a goalkeeper like in the flesh. And I, I just remember out loud saying, Quo trying to temper my expectation. I said, yeah, it'll be hard to score past him, mind. And this guy next to us, massive old fella, had his flat cap on, smelled a beer, smelled a brown ale, nudged us, and went, aye, but we will though, son, won't we? <laughs> and I swear to God, I had a choice where I could have just went, you're a crazy football fan, but instead, I just jumped on board. I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, we will. We'll score past him, we'll score 10. Let's go. And from that point, I was in for all my sins. I'm still obsessed to this day, but that was that was the moment. I wish I could meet that man. Wow. He hasn't got a clue, but uh, he affected a young me massively. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's just little things like that, isn't it, that can kind of make that difference. Oh, and, man. You know, and especially if you may be, you know, like myself, I'm a Tramia Rover supporter, and um, we, you know, we've gone through a lot of hard times, and definitely when I started um, watching the Rovers, um there was some some you know really uh, drab games and you know I could have easily uh, kind of lost uh, kind of enthusiasm for it. I do but, wonder about that. For me, it was easy. The entry level was great. Newcastle were top of the league and flying, and were a terrible the year before. So you know what it's like when when football fans just their expectations are cleared. Yeah. Um, like Leicester when they won the league. 
can you imagine the atmosphere week in, week out there would have been tremendous. They were fourth bottom the year before, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I often wonder, like, what happens if your first game's five nil Tonkin? <laughs> go back to go back to go back to go back. Like, how how do you keep doing it? But uh, I wonder what had happened if we'd have lost that day. Like, like would have would I have had the enthusiasm I have now? Still, probably not. You know. Yeah. So God bless you. There <laughs> you go. There you go. Um, and Ned Kelly, of course, uh, he's he's a big hero for Tramway fans as well. He he scored uh, in the League Cup final of two thousand, the equaliser. Uh, to equalise against Leicester and, and I tell you what the uh, the kind of tear of Wembley where I was it nearly collapsed you know it was a, a big moment then uh, when I heard you were a Tranmere fan and I watched <laughs> it at the weekend left foot front post yeah yeah but he's uh, he, he's a bit of a character Ned Kelly wasn't he as well uh, I'll tell you this he could rock a mullet <laughs> So I found this this weekend. This is genuinely the programme from that day. Okay. See how excited I was. I don't know if that's going to come up on the camera, but I've, I've doodled on it. Between Paul Bracewell's legs there, apart from his gentleman, is uh, my doodle. <laughs> oh, Newcastle, we love you. Oh, wow. Okay. I took it home and I was just so excited. I've, I've doodled all over the <laughs> yeah, programme. But my very first centrefold was none other than a mulleted David Kelly. Look at that. Great stuff. Only only we'll appreciate that, I think, for what it is, but that's that's special. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, okay, so in support in Newcastle, of course, you know, you, you started off and it was the Keegan era. Um, what was what's been your biggest high supporting Newcastle? Um, I mean, I, I made a little shortlist, a couple of things I can mention. Okay. And it's funny, isn't it? Because the one I'm going to land on is pretty innocuous. Like, it, it was great if you were there, don't get me wrong, but it didn't it didn't mean anything, you know, in any great scheme of things. So, highlights, if Keegan was in charge of Newcastle, you were, it was a living highlight because he was dragging what up with everything he had, with passion, and you could be optimistic without fearing the consequence. Right, you might lose, but it doesn't matter. You come out and say, next week we're going to attack the arse off whoever we're playing next and it was fantastic so Keegan without a doubt yeah. we've had three promotions um, first one under Keegan unexpected brilliant second one a procession under Chris Hutton third one um, Rafa what I could say was the moment we won the league uh, under Rafa if that was a Premier League it would have been up there with the Aguero moment for Man City Wow! because we needed a result to go our way we were we were beating Barnsley three nil, yeah. Um, but Brighton were beating Villa, and we needed them to draw. So Jack Grealish, my FPL hero this year, he he got came up with an equaliser yeah. for Villa. And I was in the crowd. And have you ever been in the crowd where there's a murmur that goes around the stadium, mm. and you just know, you get the goose comes, you're like, hang on, they've scored, haven't they? Um, yeah. I've actually, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not rubbing it in, but obviously I've got a couple of highs. Um, I've got a video actually that I could share of, of that murmur, that moment around the around the ground, if you'll permit us. Is that all right? Okay, for it. All right. This is actually from Aston Villa's website. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen now and hope this yeah. this works. Boom. All right, can you see that? Hopefully you'll get the sound as well. Yeah. So just scored 3-0. 
You can hear it. This guy suspects the best. What's up, man? Are we sure? Are we sure? Are we sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, things are good. I've got goosebumps. I don't know if you can see them. Wow. Every time I get goosebumps. That's incredible. So for me, I genuinely think that would have uh, rivaled the Aguero moment for, for winning the league because our game finished and then we had to wait for the result. Yeah. Um, I'll stop sharing. I'll stop sharing. It's later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just brilliant. And of course, it was a championship game. So it was a 12 o'clock kickoff. So we had all afternoon to get drunk and sing songs. And that's sometimes yeah. your, your favourite moments, isn't it? Um, so thanks for indulging us with that one. But I'm not actually going to land on that. So that was a little cheat too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we've had uh, derby wins, so we beat Sunderland 5-1. It um, was, you know, the months after where we'd spell Sunderland with a 5 instead of the S and a 1 instead of the L, and that was the funniest thing ever. Um, we've had marquee signings, so fair enough, we lose the title in 96, but we sign Alan Shearer right after Euro 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 12-year-old boy, like, just did magic, you know what I mean? Just magic. Um, comebacks 4-0 down against Arsenal to draw 4-4. And I'd like to take some credit for that because I did call it at 4-0 down. Wow. We were 3-0 down and I said, uh, great going, Pardew. Lure them into a false sense of security there, 3-0. And then it went 4-0 Arsenal. And I said, ah, oh, well, we're probably only playing for the draw now. And lo and behold, I like I like to remind everyone of that one every year. Well, um, you have a bet on them now. Wasn't a betting man, to be fair, but I would have got, I would have got damn fine odds on it if I, if I was, I'm sure about that. But my best moment... Um, it's just an innocuous game from 1997 uh, if we'd have lost we probably weren't going to win the title but we weren't going to anyway we were miles off that year um, but we didn't lose it was against Leicester it was on my 13th birthday yeah my mum worked at Wet n Wild which is a water park in North Shields okay. their boss had a season ticket should share among the staff <laughs> she'd booked it for my birthday and one of the other staff offered her 150 quid for it the week before. Wow. Now, we weren't flush, me and my mum. So I wouldn't have begrudged her accepting that and maybe getting us a present and, you know, putting it towards something. Uh, but she didn't. She didn't. And I got to go to the game with me granddad and my uncle. Wow. And we were 3-1 uh, down to Leicester with 15 minutes to go. And up until this point, I'd never seen Newcastle lose. Like every game I'd gone to would won. Can you imagine that? Like it's tr like it's true for those four years. It wasn't a season ticket holder or anything, but the few games I went to would won. And we were 3-1 down. Um, interesting fact, Steve Claridge scored in that Leicester game. Okay. He scored in the Cambridge game too. He wow. scored in my first ever match. Claridge. Little, little nerdy aside there. But a um, little stat out for you. But Alan Shearer scored a 15-minute hat-trick to, to win the game. In the last minute, you hit a free kick that if the net hadn't stopped it, it would have hit me straight in the face. <laughs> I, was, I was right behind it. I like to think he was aiming for us. I like to think I helped. Um, I wouldn't have known much about it neither because he, he hit it harder than I've ever seen a ball hit in my life. Casey Keller only knew about it because he heard a whistle past his ear. It must have been like bullets on Omaha Beach on Saving Private Ryan for him. He wouldn't have had a clue. Um, flew into the net and I swear I, I was in tears when we were losing 3-1. Pathetic, whatever. I was 13. I'll put it down to puberty or something. I don't know. But I was genuinely crying. I was that sad. And then to win it with the last kick of the game, again, I've got goosebumps thinking about it. It's just one of them. 
it was tremendous. And it, did it mean anything? No, it meant nothing. We're, we're finished second, which, you know, would kill for now. Yeah. Um, Leicester City, are they big rivals? Not really. It was a, it was a good team, Martin O'Neill with, you know, Emil Heskey and, and Matt Elliott and stuff like that. But for me, like, I, I, I wonder if I'll ever feel better. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Okay. Okay, so Mike, can you tell us about your biggest low supporting Newcastle? Uh, yeah, this was uh, a painful, painful list to make, but of course, as a football fan, the highs are only high because the lows are so low, and there's been a few um, straight away derby defeats spring to mind. But they have been tempered slightly by the fact that uh, those early derby defeats featured Adam Johnson quite strongly. Okay, yeah. So I dare say for Sunderland, those memories have been tainted a little bit too. So that gives me a little bit of comfort. <laughs> Don't mean to lower the tone. Obviously, I'm sure we all remember Adam Johnson for the for the right wrong reasons. I, I guess what what can you say? Um, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So he um he scored a last minute winner against us. So you know I'm sure that would be putting our faces a lot more if it wasn't for him not being a great man or what have you. So there was that. Keane's left us twice. So I said he was a massive high. Well, he's also he's also left us twice, and that's always very, very depressing. Yeah. Um, ironically, you know, missing out on the title that year that everyone likes to remind us of, 95, 96. Yeah. I would kill for those days now, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? You were running away with it, weren't you? Was it yeah. clear? People say 12. That's not true. We were nine points with the game in hand, all right? Wow. And why that's important, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we blew it, didn't we? We were, we were a great team, but they were never ones to close out games. They just they tried to wash you away. And if you had anything sort of, you had any stickability whatsoever, you could probably withstand us, which was a shame because the legs, the legs fell off at the end of the season. But what a team. Anyway, that, that probably was a low. I would put uh, Sack and Sir Bobby up there as well. Okay. He was never, he wasn't player of the month for a little while, and I know a certain element of the fan base was against him, but just what a gentleman, what a, what a figurehead to have at your club. So Sir Bobby Robson leaving was heartbreaking for me. Oh, of course. And uh, he's kind of a legend, really, isn't he? And one of the best managers ever. He's up there with, with the Shankleys. And, yeah. He should have an England World Cup. Like he, he was so close, wasn't he? I mean, it, that was slightly before my time again. But you know, looking back, I wish the wish the hell he'd gotten it. Obviously, for a lot of reasons, but mainly for him. Really, I, I really, really wish he'd had it. It's a great clip of him talking with Gary Lineker about it, and he says, like, you know, one one penalty kick, yeah, you know, and we we would have won that final. We were a better team than than who Germany went on to beat. Who was it? Was it Argentina? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so that so Bobby Robson leaving was terrible. We've got a statue of him, and to be honest, I'm a little bit embarrassed by that because the spell at Newcastle is as great as it was. He, he didn't win a trophy or anything, mm. and I'm proud he's from the region, and I'm glad he's got a statue. Yeah. Um, but we didn't treat him right. Sack him. No. I'm sad about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, lowest low. Sadly, uh, now, really. Um, okay. It's hard to. To justify sometimes because people look at Newcastle fans and say, Well, you're in the Premier League, or what do you want? It's like that. I'll put it to you this way I'll say that um, until this year, West Ham weren't a great team. 
Mm. Okay, so like last year, they survived relegation. I think they finished 15th, something like that. But they were in the relegation zone at this point last season. But at the start of that season, West Ham fans were optimistic. They had yeah. a few signings. They, I think they had four nals. Lanzini was, you know, still there. And they had optimism at the start of the season. They were like, this is our year. We're getting into Europe. Obviously, that was crazy. That was deluded. Don't get me wrong. But they had that hope and optimism. Yeah. As a Newcastle fan, at the start of the season, we don't. And you might say that's just because we're rubbish. And (laughs) that's partly true. But there's more to it than that. We're robbed of any optimism. Our optimism is always deferred. We're always like, if we make it through this season, if we survive with Steve Bruce as our manager, adding 40 million worth of pointless player up front, then maybe next season we'll get taken over and it's better. Okay. We, at the minute, we can't look to the current season with the hope and optimism that every other football fan has. Like, whatever your expectation, Sheffield United this year would have hoped for better than what they've got. And they would swap places with us in a heartbeat in terms of the table. Yeah. But at the start of the season, they might have genuinely hoped for top half again. Mm. Fulham are... are are fighting tooth and nail to stay up and playing great football and, and looking like they might as well at our expense, sadly. But that's brilliant. That's that's them punching above their weight and they've tried to do the best they can. Newcastle's a club that doesn't try to do the best it can. We're trying to get by with what we've got. Mm. And and during these depressing times as well, it just adds to it. Like I know mental health is a hot topic at the minute. No. This doesn't help. <laughs> I know it's just football, <laughs> but I'm guessing you, you as the host of a football podcast, know it, it's more than that sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. now the the bereft of hope, the hoping we survive, the hoping Steve Bruce isn't going to put his foot in it again or slate us or go out to Sheffield United, who've, who've never won a game. I don't think we've got a divine right to beat Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. I don't. Yeah. Still play at Bramall Lane? I don't know. I don't think yeah. we've got a divine right to beat them. But they hadn't won a game all season. And we went and left seven attackers on the bench and played Joe Linton up front. I can't quite remember, but the team sheet was embarrassing and we rightly got beat 1-0. Wow. Since then, he started playing a little bit better. It seems to coincide with the arrival of this coach, which we're all a bit suspicious of. <laughs> um, he came from Luton and we're playing the, the kind of formation and tactics that was successful under Luton. We're wondering if he's kind of been usurped from within. I don't, I don't know. It, there's a conspiracy theory that Bruce isn't really the coach anymore type of thing. Um, but yeah, the, the the hope that kills you isn't even there at the minute. It's like damage limitation every game. So now is the absolute lowest I've been. I could cry. Okay, so let's move on to um, kind of lighter thoughts and happy thoughts. Um, who's the funniest ever player? So you've got a lot, haven't you? There, you got the likes of Gaza and yeah. Uh, before my time, I considered Gaza because obviously there's a story about him from every club he's been at. Like I got some great stories from Rangers players and stuff like that in England as well. But it's before my time, so I couldn't pick Gaza. And everyone's heard the Gaza stories anyway, haven't they? I guess I did meet him once. Um, I was a, a bartender in a in a hotel. Okay. And uh, did you ever watch the the match? Which was a charity game held at St James's Park every year. Uh, the, no. I understand the concept. Yeah, old pros versus celebrities, and okay. um, like it'd be managed by Bobby Robson, I think, and, and things like that. Yeah. 
um, well, he was staying at the hotel that I worked at. And I remember one time they had a meeting. Peter Reed was managing the pros. Okay. And uh, I came into the meeting with a double gin and tonic because someone had ordered it. I'm like, oh, double gin and tonic? Everyone's ignoring us. <laughs> double G and T? Gaza just went, oh, man, I tell you to keep it quiet. Like, so he's just, he's just, we know the Gaza stories, don't we? But anyway, who I've chosen is, uh, he was a character on the pitch and he's like famed for all the wrong reasons because he's stupid and he's hilarious. And it's Stephen Taylor, which is an odd one. Do you, do you remember Stephen Taylor? Do you know? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. Fairly strong, I think now, a few years he's ago. Still playing. He's still playing in Canada, I think. Okay, yeah. So, not talking years ago, but what he got up to on the pitch, I've got some examples really to back it up because I wouldn't be surprised if every other Premiership fan had forgotten Stephen Taylor was born. But um, <laughs> he's, he's funny. He is funny on the pitch and inadvertently, so I don't think he meant it. Um, <laughs> what sort of thing but, did he up to? Well, I've got a couple of examples. He got sent off against Aston Villa, famously, and he, he tried to con the referee. See if you can spot it, actually. How about that? For a little setup. Let's see if I can get this for you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not a tough one to spot, really. <laughs> uh, so if I share that now. All right, so this is uh, the one I'm talking about. So he's got a red card there. Stephen yeah. Taylor's been sent off. Oh, Stephen Taylor on the you spot that? You spot that. So Stephen Taylor's made quite a good save with his hand, it appears. But then he looks like he's kind of been decapitated. <laughs> what he's done there is cheekily tipped it round with his left fingertip. But no, no, no. He tries to sell it to the referee. So the referee might be on the halfway line. But no, no, there he is. Six yards away from the incident. Thinking, what the hell have you just done there? Now he looks suitably embarrassed afterwards. I'll turn the sound off. <laughs> but yeah, he saved it and then pretended it hit him on the side. But not just that it hit him on the side, but it, it was like a bullet that hit him instead of <laughs> instead of the ball in exactly what the hell was he thinking? Like that's that's Steven Taylor in a nutshell. And if you want to see him being an absolute fool as well. Okay. Um, Free kick. Yeah. Stephen Taylor is the gentleman in the front there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see him. He's like he's directing traffic. You can see a bloke. He'll move his hand in a second. Um, no no focus on the ball whatsoever. Look at him waving at his little pal. Waving at the goalkeeper. Just trying to block his view. Just trying to... Let's 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 not be around the bush. He's just being an arsehole right now, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's going by the referee. I'm all right. I'm not doing anything. No, wait, wait. Keep us trying to lean around him. He's quite broad, looking and waving his arms. He's just an absolute idiot. An outfield version of Grobbler, isn't it? Ah, yeah, I guess, I guess. But look at him; like he, he won't, he won't stop it. He thinks he's gonna be offside, so he goes back onside occasionally. But whistle hasn't gone yet, so he can go and tease the keeper some more. Now, this isn't funny if it goes into the crowd, is it? If he skies it, so I think we know how this is going to end. Young Kabai's on the ball as well. He's a sexy, sexy footballer as and man. I probably would, to be honest. I, I, my, my bread's not buttered that side but young goodbye he could turn a man but he could also do this but there's Stephen Taylor again look at him now the funniest part of this for me is the ending because bang Stephen Taylor's been the arsehole there but look at him 
He went and celebrated in the keeper's face as if the keeper had done him wrong. <laughs> what a tool, man. Like, he's, he's a funny fella. My, uh, my girlfriend went to school with him, and apparently she's got some stories too, but I won't, I won't share them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going for Steven Taylor for the funniest player just because he's, uh, he's an odd one. He's a character. Okay. So who's the funniest current player? It's hard to, to develop an affinity with a club that does its best to trample on your heart every day. But yeah. there's a shining light among the 11, and it's uh, Alan St. Maximan. Okay. Um, not, I don't know, but yeah. Well, not only is he, is he incredibly skillful, like he represents hope to us, the, kind of the way Rafa did, I guess, um, at the moment, because he's, he's brilliant argue about his end product if he had end product he'd be playing for Liverpool Man City not Newcastle so obviously he has his limitations but he dances past players like he's not even there but that's not why he's funny he's funny um, because he absolutely hounds Sunderland on Twitter okay well there you go and that's very <laughs> endearing to a Newcastle fan <laughs> So you scroll through his timeline, it doesn't take long for well, just general good-hearted abuse of, <laughs> of our fellow Sunderland fans over the river. Um, for example, like he gets, he gets tweets from Sunderland players, all, Sunderland fans all the time. One of them here is just, you know, Sunderland would win anyway, lol, your team is S-H-I-T. He's, like he's got like a little beam of, uh, oh, I'll close that. Yeah. Is it um oh, I can't remember the actual the guy's name who's who's in it. Is it the the weekend? The singer the weekend? Oh the weekend, yeah. Yeah. Blinded lights. Ah oh, yeah, that's the one. All right, all right. So I'll I'll share this this as well. I don't wanna um take up too much of the time seeing me clicking away, but let's share this. So there, the, the Premier League calendar looking for Sunderland season after season. Where where are they? Where? Where? Where are Sunderland? <laughs> <laughs> He's just great crack. Like, you'll get abuse from someone. There was one when um, someone said, like, oh, he didn't score for a long time. So yeah. he used to get Nick taken out of him for not scoring for a long time. And, and he said something along the lines of, like, I'd love my first goal to be against Sunderland, but you're all the <laughs> way down in League One type of thing. And it's just funny. Oh, the other day, um, Paul Merson called him St. Maximus. Yeah. So he changed his name to St. Maximus on Twitter. <laughs> And so, so, like, genuinely, if you're a football fan, give him a follow. Give him a follow. He's, he's hilarious, as well as being mint on the pitch as well. If he, I think early in the season, there was a stat, like, we, we hadn't won without him. Like, if he doesn't play, we don't win. Similar as that. That's still true of Callum Wilson, by the way. All oh, right. If he doesn't play, but we can't win. <laughs> Which is true. Depressingly true. So he's the funniest player, I think, by a, by a distance. That's a great one. Okay. Um, and thinking about a funniest chant that you've heard um, at St. James's Park or... Yeah. The one I've gone for is actually away from home. Um, it's funny, isn't it? With a football chant, by and large, up and down the country, there's a few mainstays that are kind of the same. So yeah. I'm going to choose one that's just because I've, I've never heard it before or since. Correct me if I'm wrong. But on a way day at the Stadium of Light, where Sunderland play, yeah, borderline. Um, 
we won one nil. And for 15, 20 minutes, Newcastle Sunderland that season set a record for the lowest points in the Premier League, right? Right. So we're laughing. Like it's brilliant. They played out their skins that day and were unlucky to lose one nil, but they did. And for the last 20 minutes, the Newcastle fans, 8,000 hearty, roaring Geordie, passionate voices sang, Dame Vera Lynn's We'll Meet Again. <laughs> I've never heard it before or since. And that song will always mean something to me. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't care when. But I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Like it's just spontaneous. <laughs> who started that chant? <laughs> just Who's the one said, I know what'll catch on? Wow. I've never heard that of football before. And with, with those sort of words as well, it didn't didn't change the words or. No, no swear words or anything. So, like, when you say funniest chant, I guess on its own, it's not that funny. But the context and just this one man who just stood up in the middle of a crowd of 8,000 and said, well, we're going to have a jolly old sing song. We're going to sing the classics. Maybe. We'll meet again. They were already relegated. So, like, that was the crack. You know, the, we'll meet again. We don't know where. Obviously, they came back straight away. But Maybe it was that old fella that's, uh, that, that got you into football. Oh, no, I'd love, I'd love to believe he had a... I'd like to think he went on to great things. But the best thing he did was get me into football. I thank him for it. Great stuff. Great stuff. Okay, so Mike, so who is your funniest manager? You've easy. Had at, Newcastle? at Newcastle, easy. I mean, I, I love uh, Rafa Benitez, but he was hardly a laugh riot, was he? He's not a funny bloke. Alan Pardew, man, he, he was box office. He was given an eight-year contract yeah. after one brilliant season, to be fair, a rare high. Under the Mike Ashley era. But again, if you'll permit us, I, I think there are sort of one or two moments that we could, uh, if you'll indulge us one more time. Okay, we've got another clip coming up. It's a, it's a photo this time. A photo? This is an after photo. Yeah. Right? What, what, could have, what could have preceded this? <laughs> well, the, one of the funniest pictures in all of football, as far as I'm concerned. This linesman, all he had to do, he had the temerity to step in front of Alan Pardew. Little did he know what Alan Pardew wants, Alan Pardew takes. Because, <laughs> because the first thing he does, I'm guessing it's just a, why would you have a go at the linesman like this? It's not an offside call, is it? They're both looking down the pitch. I think it's just like a throw-in. And Alan Pardew's so incensed, he's like, right, have some of this, Lido. <laughs> to be fair, if you look at the actual footage of this, it's it's rather more innocuous than it seems. Like it's not as violent. It's it's a slight shove, but this picture has been captured at the perfect moment. And for me, it belongs on the wall of like a football museum if there is one up there with Lionel Messi at the top of the new camp after the turnaround against Paris Saint Germain. There's a picture of him, all the lights behind him. In fact, above it, it should be Alan Pardew pushing the linesman because I think this is hilarious. <laughs> Um, there's another one if you'll indulge me let's uh, yeah. let's share this so let's see if you can fathom what's happening in this one can you see El Mohammadi and, and Alan Pardew there yeah a bit of a lover's embrace doesn't it look like that it looks quite intimate doesn't it yeah. like I don't know two, two lovers I mean it's particularly the player he looks like he's closing his eyes he just wants to be close to Alan Pardew and we've all had that feeling but yeah. what's actually happening here is a Mackham an ex-Sunland player has wrongly strolled into headbutting distance and then nature took its course. <laughs> of 
Alan Pardew headbutted a player of the opposition during a match. Like, I have never seen that happen ever before or since. So this is my thing with Newcastle fans and Pardew. This is quite a negative thing, really. It's hard to be positive about it. But I lived for stuff like this. I thought this was box office. Like, I've never... Have you ever heard of this happening any other time ever? But yeah, he, he walked past him in the dugout. Yeah. And Pardew stuck the nut on him. Can you think of another time that that's happened? Because I genuinely can't. Like, what? <laughs> it's, it was one of those times where, again, we weren't doing so well. And it was like, oh, we're sleepwalking towards a relegation like we are now. And everyone was up in arms. I'm a rare Newcastle fan because I never turned on Pardew. I loved him. <laughs> I just He was entertained if nothing else. And I would say our funniest manager. Competition isn't high. Yeah. Glenn Roda, for example, he's not a funny guy. He's getting a lot of good goodwill at the moment. Obviously, he recently passed away. And um, as a little tribute to him, I remember he took over from Sunes and he actually we had an upturning result. Shearer became the record goal scorer under him. Mm. We finished seventh on the last day and actually got into Europe by beating the champions Chelsea with a tightest bramble overhead kick on the last day. Wow. That deserves a, a statue in itself. But Glenn Roder, genuinely at the full-time whistle, you can see he's urgently barking orders to his troops, you know, come back, Chelsea, we're all over. We're, hang on, hang on. And the final whistle goes. There's a lovely canny moment where he just kind of cracks a big grin and gives himself a hug like, oh, I did that. So I'll always remember Glenn Roder for that little tribute to him having, you know, recently passed away and stuff. Dead sweet, dead canny. Not hilarious, though like Alan Pardew was. Yeah, in a different way. Yeah. Okay. Good day, Glenn Roder. All right, so we're on the home stretch now, Mike. Um, can you tell us about uh, the funny fan and a story about a funny fan and maybe someone you've gone the game with yourself or someone you've seen in the crowd who's made you... Well, yeah, I guess I do. I mean, there's a couple of ways I, I could have went. There's a guy who, for like 10 years, for like a decade, every goal kick that the opposition got would shout, Doji Kiba! And like, when it stopped, we missed him. I was like, oh, what was all right type of thing. Um, went through spells with that. It was like funny at first, then really annoying. Then it was just like, oh, funny. <laughs> Never worked. Like, no goalkeeper ever has like sliced a goal kick straight or a striker or anything. But God bless him, he persisted. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> optimistic. There was a bloke who got the corner flag wellied into the um, the most precious bag that men carry by Matt Ritchie. <laughs> okay, he got a corner flag in the knackers when Matt Ritchie celebrated a goal. Um, but I'm actually going to go with my mate who um, is called Nicholas. Okay, Shout I, used to have a, I used to have a season ticket with a, a different friend who was wheelchair bound, yeah. so I'd wheel them into the game and you know. I got my CTB in his face. Uh, if I couldn't make it, his dad would go. Yeah. But if he couldn't make it, if, if my friend couldn't make it, then technically I had a spare seat. My mum worked in a nursing home, so I, I could get a wheelchair. So it was just a matter of convincing a friend, like, might be a bit awkward, mate, but if you want to sit in the, the wheelchair, you can come to the game with us. <laughs> so, like, one of my mates was actually like Nicholas. He was like, all right then, why not? Why not? So... I was saying, look, it's all right. You, like even Carl, who oh, I probably shouldn't mention him. So even my friend who was in the wheelchair, he he would stand up. <laughs> even my friend who was in the wheelchair, he would stand up, you know, and celebrate goals and stuff. I was like, you know, so you can do that. Don't worry. 
but my friend was like so self-conscious can you imagine like you imagine if you're in the wheelchair and, and someone just thought you weren't i mean even the people sat next to us i'm bringing a different wheelchair person every week a different person in a wheelchair every week they must think like perhaps i'm offering a service or something well anyway my mate wouldn't move from the wheelchair at all until one day we were running late for kickoff and I'm, I'm pushing him and I'm like it's uphill a little bit I was like ah you know the St. James is just the cathedral on the hill it was a bit uphill heading towards it um, so he's just like oh sod this jumped out of the wheelchair and just started running with it much to the amazement of like people who were watching the police even walked past and did like a double take what's, what's going on there something's going on there but I don't think it's anything we can prosecute so the let would be um, so I'll go with him when he's fine but I'd also like to give a shout out just on a separate note. Um, there's a guy called Johnny Sharples on Twitter. I've never met him. I've never seen him at the match. His tweets are hilarious. He's a Newcastle fan and he, he seems to raise a lot of money for charity, mind charities and things like that. So Johnny Sharples, I'll, I'll check out his actual given name. It's at Johnny, without an H, double N, Gabriel. Again, just comments on all the football stuff that goes on during the week. Usually got a funny reflection on it. Check him out. He's hilarious. Fantastic stuff. So you've got an anecdote about um, an actual game and Johnny Sharple. So he's on the old socials um, coming out with some funny quips. Yeah, funny. Right. Check it out. The very first game I went to, yeah. my uncle decided what he'd do is he would dress us up like a, a little mascot almost. And yeah. he bought us this for, on the garage on the way to the game. Yeah. So, that doesn't always sit there. I just want you to know I'm not actually as childish as that. This, this has meaning, all right? This is significant. You can even see the lines on it where I try to trace over it as a young, as a young man. Okay, okay. A little aside for you there. Good stuff. All right. Been a pleasure, Guy. Thanks for having us, though, mate. No problem at all. I've enjoyed it. All right. Up the magpies. How are the lads? Where are the lads? Right from the off, or...? On the start again. So how funny is this? All right. Can you tell us about, I don't know, do you, do you go away to watch the Magpies? In Rarely I've been to, um, I've been to the Stadium of Light, seen Newcastle win, brilliant, you know, it's the best away game you can go to, isn't it? I went to one that was absolutely tragic. Um, I uh, went through a breakup, personal life, and one of the first things I did was like, ah, I'm free, I'll go to an away game, like I'll book it, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> It was <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's that's where I was. But anyway, <laughs> that's come come see my act for more on that. Um <laughs> it was on New Year's Day and it was Blackburn away in the last championship season that we won, and we were walking over teams, and Blackburn weren't that great at the time, bless them. They beat with St. James's Park, like, but yeah. they weren't that great. We were expected to win. It was a football manager game. Like we had eight thousand, bless them for selling. We had the whole Darwin end. And it yeah. was tremendous atmosphere, and it's it's a great away day. Like it's not too far, and plenty of beer was had. I think we had thirty-one efforts, two goals disallowed, fifteen on target, <laughs> and obviously they scored a free kick in the 89th minute. So oh. it was uh, delightful. But um, I don't get away as often as I can. Obviously, don't even get the home games at the minute, like everyone else. But uh, yeah. those 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 were the two most memorable, probably. One for the right reasons, one for the wrong. Great stuff. All right, so we're coming towards the end. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a great uh, great to hear about all these 
tales um, and, and all these players, some of them I've, I've never heard of, you know, fantastic stuff. Um, so, Mike, can you tell us what you've got coming up and what are your plans in, in comedy? I don't know if you do any of the, uh, the online shows or um, do you do anything on kind of Instagram or any, any kind of other kind of maybe even TikTok, any online stuff like that? I don't yet. I'm looking to expand a little bit. To be fair, like I said, I'm not too long in the tooth. A um, few gigs at the stand. I'll be looking forward to, to going back to the stand Newcastle. Uh, when they'll have me, I was booked before lockdown, so I will be booked afterwards. Um, they also do like some good lockdown shows, to be honest, on a Saturday night. Um, so if you are starved of stand-up comedy, on a Saturday, the stand usually have an online gig um, that I heartily recommend. I have had a little snippet on one of those as well. Um, we asked for a few contributions, so that was good. Um, there's also an ultra-comedy event coming up in Newcastle, where basically they around a load of amateurs. Um, perhaps I still consider myself in that category. You know, we're all, we're all learning, aren't we? Um, I'm going to be a part of that. They round up a load of amateurs and they get a proper, decent stand-up comedian um, to hone your act and get things together. So if you can get to that as well, brilliant. it's brilliant. There was a TV show very recently about celebrities giving it a go and they were um, coached, weren't they, by, by stand-ups uh, who were, again, longer in the tooth. And that was brilliant, wasn't it? So if you want more of that, if you fancy more of that, Ultra Comedy Newcastle, it's for a good cause as well. They raise money for cancer. Right. Um, charities in the region. Uh, and the country, actually, I think, to, to do them justice. Yeah. Um, so have a laugh on a good night and also, you know, do a little bit for charity as well. Hardly recommended. Good stuff. Ultra Comedy Newcastle. Okay, check that out. And it's all for a good cause as well. All right. And uh, Mike, just finally, where can people find you? If they want to kind of find your, your stuff? Kind of. Yeah, if you want um, some, you know, occasional uh, football comedy, a lot of fantasy football, and if, maybe there's a few jokes, news and gigs. I'm just at Mike Perrin on Twitter. Probably a good place to start. <laughs> oh, lads! Well, you're lads.